Hello, everybody. Cal Banyan here. Cal Banyan's Hypnosis, etc. on calbanyan.com. And I am back. Boy, it's been a while since I've been here with Erica. And she's brought me a couple of good topics. What we're going to get on into right away is, here we go. Are you ready? Grief. Working with clients with grief and overwhelming sadness. A lot of that going on because there's been a lot of loss going on. Uh, it could be, you know, because of COVID business or personal. We're going to get into that. Let me introduce you to Erica. Boy, if you've been with us at any time at all, you know that Erica is like the main co-host and she is a person who has just solid, solid. She's got a solid business. She's got a solid practice. She's got a hypnosis center in Bellingham, Washington. She's an author. She's a trainer. She speaks at NGH conventions. She's got, uh, she writes for the Five Path International Association of Hypnosis Professionals Journal and the National Guild Hypnotist Journal. So she's quite a deal. All right. How you doing, Erica? Hi, Cal. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for that introduction. It's it's just so awesome to be here today because, as you said, you know, it's there's a lot of things going on and we get to join together and help people. So before we do that, let me tell everybody about you. Cal Banyan is the authority on hypnosis that works. This is the hypnosis that you're going to use in your office with your clients every single day. He's an author. He's a trainer. He's won nearly every single award from the National Guild of Hypnotists, which is the oldest and largest hypnosis professional organization in the world. And he has had such a positive and important impact on my life. Once I took the five path training, only then was I ready to go see clients. And once I did that, I saw my first client and it's been awesome ever since. So Cal, thank you so much for what you do for the profession. And let's just dive into this topic on overwhelming sadness and grief. I'm seeing it a lot in my practice now because people are losing their jobs. They're not able to be in contact with their loved ones anymore. Uh, what are you noticing as far as this goes? Well, I tell you what, I think it's, it's pervasive and, but you know what, this is timely, but it's also evergreen because it's going to, I mean, that's just part of the human condition, losing important people, relationships and things. Um, it could be like a wildfire in California, or it could be uh, losing an elderly person to the COVID or just natural causes as we move through life. And so people don't really understand what it is that they're going through and how to respond to it. And um, I was talking to a psychologist the other day, he was taking a class of mine and he was talking about grief. And I said, well, you know what? The primary feeling in grief is sadness, mm -hmm. secret language of feelings principle, right. right? And he's like, oh, you don't understand. You know, there's all these different phases. I say, yeah, but the, the principal feeling is sadness. Yes, there can be anger in there mm -hmm. and there can be frustration, but those are concomitant or secondary kinds of things that are going on. Okay, good. So let's Give me your take on it there, Erica. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, there are complex feelings in this. And I think this is where people get confused because, you know, there are times I've had clients before, for example, where they feel relieved that somebody has passed away and they feel guilty because they feel relieved. Right. But the reality is for this particular individual, the person was ill. 
And so just to your point, there's a lot of complex feelings here and people don't know how they're supposed to feel. Is it okay to feel relieved that somebody passes away when they're suffering, right? That type of a thing. So understanding that there are these complex feelings um, is definitely part of it. Um, and the other thing that I think is important um, is to understand that there is a normal grieving process, right? So one of the things that I've had a, a client come to me and ask me for is, can you help me get over the loss of someone that they loved, right? And, um, and help them get over it faster. And I think there's a natural process to grief. And so as hypnotists, we can help remove the barriers to this natural process using the techniques like age regression and forgiveness. And so I wanted to highlight some of those elements and how we help our clients um, get rid of these feelings um, and process them with the techniques we use in hypnosis. My favorite really is, is age regression. It's the most powerful tool and technique that we have available and allowing that feeling to come up in our clients so that we can realize what actually are they feeling so that we can help them move, move through it. Right, Cal? Yeah. You know, I like what you said, particularly is that it's, you know, it's kind of a complex thing mm -hmm. and that there's many different things that are going on emotionally and outside of the individual. And so I, I, as five pathers, five-phase advanced transformational hypnosis, we really look at the process as a five-phase approach of which usually only the first four phases are necessary. But we also have the secret language of feelings. And as people begin to understand that sadness comes from loss, frustration comes from not being able to satisfy the feeling, anger comes from the perception of not fair, and guilt comes from thinking that they did something wrong to someone. It really gives them the vocabulary and principles to begin to start working through that. And one of the first things that we're going to do with a client as a five path certified hypnotherapist or hypnotist is that we are going to make sure that we understand that what they want and the benefits they need to know that there is a very good reason to get better and you need to say okay what's life going to be like when you finally healed from this and get that picture because it's very highly motivational to crystallize what the outcome of the process looks like. So we're really going to spend that time with the person so that in the phase one, which is the preparation, tense, testing, convincing phase, when we can get them into somnambulism, we can do the testing so that they know that they're hypnotized. And that takes them out of this, this feeling of hopelessness into a state of hopefulness, which is the state of transformation. And then we can give them the suggestions they need for overcoming this you know, dark place in their life. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that, that that's wonderful. And for a lot of our clients, I've noticed they feel guilty about that exact thing, Cal. They are, it's like, can I be happy without my spouse? Can I be happy without, you know, with the loss of my mother or the loss of my sister? And there's almost, they feel guilty thinking about being happy. And so 
there are definitely complexities to grief that going through this process with a professional hypnotist, five path professional hypnotist who knows how to do this will be hugely beneficial for our clients because yes, they can be happy, but if there's these little hangups, like, is it proper for me to be happy without my spouse? Those are those little hangups in our clients' minds, keep them stuck. And those are some of the things that I look for with my clients when I'm helping them through this, because if they can't imagine a bright future and it's because they feel guilty having a bright future without their spouse or something, that's something that we can help with. Right. You know, and I, I remember I had a client come in and she was referred to me by a psychologist for this the kind of unresolved, ongoing, unresolving grief. She had, her mother had died a year and a half ago, and it was still at the forefront of her life. And one of the things that I did with her is I says, tell me about your relationship with, with your mother. And as she was talking about her mother, I found out that her mother wasn't just her mother. Her mother was of course her mother who raised her, but she was also her best friend. Mm -hmm. She was also a confidant, the one that she could say stuff to that she knew it wouldn't get out. She was also her favorite shopping partner. And that was one of her favorite things to do, right? And then finally, she was the best babysitter in the world because I mean, no other babysitter would love your children like you do. So she didn't just lose her mother. You know, she lost her mother, she lost her best friend, she lost her confidence, she lost her favorite activity person, and she forgot the and she lost the best babysitter she could ever have. Yep. And so whenever she tried to fulfill these needs that were being fulfilled by her mom, she felt sad and grief. And another thing I did with her is I explored her belief about her spirituality and what happens when you die. And what I found out with her was she believed that if, if, when you die, if you were a good person, you would go to heaven. And I said, okay, do you believe that you are a good person? She says, yes. And so well, where are you going to go when you die? Uh, okay, so, so you and your mom are going to be in heaven together. Is that right? Now I'm working with her belief system. And she says, yes. I go, so this isn't really a loss. It's a separation, right? And she's like, ah. You know, so to do that kind of stuff before we even get into the heavy therapeutic work is this is secret language of feeling stuff to yeah. just begin to understand how emotions work and then do some reality checking. Good. I love that, Cal. It's, mm -hmm. it's the, the temper. It's an illusion is what I tell my clients too. It's an illusion. It's temporary, temporary mm -hmm. separation from the ones that you love. And, and it gives them so much comfort, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And she was experiencing too much grief, okay. right? So some clients would have to say, hey, it's natural that you'd feel sad. Mm -hmm. Anybody who had lost significant person or, or property or whatever it is, would feel the sadness. It's normal. Yeah. But hers was exaggerated. Okay. And another thing that can cause exaggerated grief is called what we call as five pathers, emotional resonance. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what that is about, as you well know, Erica, is that if you have something happening now that brings up an emotion that has happened repeatedly in your life, especially if it's not been resolved, 
then that those emotions are dying to get expressed. They want to come up. And then when you feel that way today, it causes an uh, intra-psychic resonance in which those feelings resonate into the moment and you become too sad or too mad or too fearful. And so that brings us into the next phase, which would be phase two. Yeah. Good, good. So phase two, what we're going to be doing is we do age regression because when they're experiencing too much, that means there's unresolved stuff back there. Mm -hmm. And we'll use like time tunnel and time tunnel takes advantage of that emotional resonance. We'll bring up that feeling in the somnambulistic client. And then what we'll do is we'll have them describe what it feels like in their body, give it a color, give it a shape. And then uh, the hypnotist uses that color and that shape to create a psychological construct, which is the time tunnel. And we say, okay, that orange, let's say it's an orange disc, that orange disc becomes a tunnel. It's like an orange tunnel it goes right inside of you. It's filled with the emotion and, it pulls, and, and you follow it back to where it began. And we will go back to earlier times they felt that way, which then we can do the work to resolve those issues because it's really hard to heal from what's going on today if you still got stuff festering from the past. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so good, Cal. And, and it reminds me, you know, something that you said earlier, I think is really important to highlight, which is, you know, it's okay to be sad. As a matter of fact, we're supposed to feel sad, right? Exactly. Um, and, and I think a lot of people uh, um, think that we're supposed to be happy all the time when in reality, uh, moving through some of these emotions, um, when we allow it to happen, can go quickly. As a matter of fact, uh, I let myself be sad for a couple of minutes. I'll just put a sad song on and I let myself be sad and I cry. Mm -hmm. And then it's like it satisfies that and I can move on. Um, same thing with anger. But for our clients, if it's still unresolved, that's where it's so beneficial for us to help them move through this. Because like you said, with your client two years later, I've met people where clients where it's three, four years later, they're still stuck in a grieving process, right? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sure some of the viewers are going, how can sad be good? How can, all feelings are good. Now, if you want to know more, there's the book, The Secret Language of Feelings. You can go to thesecretlanguageoffeelings.com, but that's not the purpose of this video. The video is, is to help you get people through this grief, but why is sad good? I was doing a, working with a client who actually was suffering from uh, psychologically induced blindness. And when he had been adopted as a child, and we were working through that, and there is two major emotions in the age regression. One was sadness and the other was fear. Okay. And as a child, he thought he was going to die and all this kind of stuff. Well, we had proof because I had the, uh, the grown up part of him in my chair that I could prove the little one that he wasn't going to die. And so that fear mm -hmm. went away, but I did nothing about the sadness. Okay. Why? Because the sadness, okay, the fear was not based in reality. All feelings are good when they're based in reality. When we do age regression, we get rid of erroneous emotions. Mm -hmm. But the ones that are based in reality, what do we do? We validate them, right? And so there's that, that younger him being taken away from his mother, never to see that mother again. And he's sad. Why don't I do anything about that? Because all feelings are good when they're based in accurate perception. You see, that sadness, why is sadness good? Mm 
Sadness happens when you perceive that you've lost someone or something important to you. Why is sadness good? Sadness is painful. It's there for a couple of different reasons. One, when you've experienced sadness, you want to avoid it in the future because it's painful. And so we will then do the things we need to safeguard and hold on to those people or things that are important to us. So sadness works that way. And the other way is when we experience sadness, it's there to motivate us to do the sometimes difficult things we need to do to replace or get back, which was lost. Yeah. Okay. If it's a relationship that's messed up, it's there to motivate you to, to do what you need to do to get that partner back. Right. But if that's not doable, like for example, the, the adopted child, he, he, he was never going to see his biological mother again, ever. Mm -hmm. And so he needed that sadness. Why? Because sadness is there to motivate you to get back or replace that which was lost. It was the sadness that motivated the child to attach to the new mother. Get yeah. back or replace. And that's why it was left in place. And then in the age regression work, he had that in, uh, I was able to, to provide that insight so that he could attach even more to the biological mother who the child somehow had blamed for losing the biological mother. And we were able to straighten all that out in, in the age regression. So age regression is a really powerful tool. Anything you want to add to that? Um, I love that story. I think it's fantastic that people understand how important it is to be able to step into that sadness or that grief, because what I see people doing is that it is sad and it is painful and they just avoid it or they pick up a bad habit to distract themselves from it. Like they start drinking again, or they'll start smoking again or something like that. And the reality is we can help our clients with this. If the sadness is based in reality, we can help use that to motivate them and, and meet that need. And it happens. Uh, we know how to do it. Uh, it's repeatable. We do it all the time. And so I just really want our hypnotists and our, our clients out there to recognize we can help people with grief in very effective ways. Awesome. And one of the things that like the psychologist was telling me about and you were telling me about mm -hmm. is that, you know, like you go through these different phases, you know, shock, denial, anger. Oh, anger. Anger. Phase three of five path is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Okay, And there's a lot of ways we could be angry. Some people are angry at themselves because maybe they, they didn't have as good a relationship with them or they contributed to the problem in some way, or they're angry at the person who died. Like, oh, they should have taken better care of themselves. Or they're even angry at God. I have a friend of mine uh, that just went through a terrible loss and he's pretty much an atheist agnostic, right? Until this happened, and then all he could do all day long was cuss God, okay? <laughs> because, I mean, there was just really no one he could blame because it, here's this uh, healthy person in his family that died and, you know, lived a much healthier life than he's been. He always thought he would go first and this other person dies. And so, obviously, it's God's fault. And so when, in, as a five-path hypnotist, uh, that's just part of the process. We're, we realize that these things are going to happen. They're going to appear to be not fair. And when things are not fair, or at least appear to be, then we automatically feel anger. Anger is good when it's based on accurate perception. 
Okay? It's there to motivate you to do the sometimes very difficult things you need to do to make things fair. And if not, if they're not actionable, like it's something of the past, or that person won't engage in you, or whatever it is to make the fairness, then we, we move on to the other F word. Forgiveness. That's right. Forgiveness. And we can talk to our clients about forgiveness is a gift we give ourselves that frees ourselves from the pain we've been causing ourselves by continuing to be angry about something we can do nothing about. And we can help move them through these things in a very predictable way. I'm sure you've experienced that, Erica. Oh, absolutely. I mean, angry at God, angry at the pandemic, angry, angry at COVID, angry at kind of these abstract things. And I always think that uh, anger... Uh, in, a, in a grief situation, uh, I've always found it to be empowering, right? Because uh, with grief and, and the sense of loss, it's disempowering for most of our clients. They feel stuck or kind of like a, you know, I'm kind of slouching right now, you know, it's mm -hmm. kind of that, that physical feeling. And then once we move them through that piece of it, they're empowered and yeah, they might be mad. They might be mad that they didn't address it earlier. They might be mad at certain things they did or didn't say, um, but, but it's a very good thing because now they've moved into a place of power. Perfect. Perfect. And then the other thing is guilt. I should have done this, or maybe if I would have done that, or I contributed in some way and the people will feel guilty. And you know what? Guilt is good. It's there to motivate you to do the sometimes difficult things you need to do to once again, make fair. But instead of in anger, someone did something unfair to you. Guilt occurs when you believe that you did something unfair to someone else. Why is that painful experience good? Because it motivates you to do the sometimes difficult things you need to do to make it up to the person, okay? Mm -hmm. To say, hey, you know, I'm, I let you down on this. I'm sorry, how can I make it up to you? And when you do that, the relationship gets better. Human beings thrive in an environment of fairness and security. Yep. And it's just like how when we're paying attention to our feelings, which is why I love the secret language of feelings of books so much, it really teaches pay attention to what your feelings are. They're telling you something very important. And if they are coming from accurate perceptions, now you know how to address them. So mm -hmm. getting people to really pay attention to their internal state is super important. You know, in the book, it's all these emotions are called the wisdom of being bored, mm -hmm. the wisdom of being lonely, the wisdom of anger, because people ignore this innate genetically designed emotion right? That it is there to provide you insight into what, how you are perceiving the world. Because something happens, you give it meaning, that causes your brain to release chemicals, and that changes your state in your body that then mm -hmm. motivates behavior, which is either reactive, habitual, like smoking, drinking, all this stuff, or it can be responsive where you say, okay, what's going on here? How can I respond to this situation mm -hmm. in a meaningful, satisfying way? And then just like with anger, forgiveness, what if, you know, what the situation you're in and you're feeling guilt is that you ask yourself, gosh, if I knew then what I know now, would I like to have handled things differently? And if the answer is no, then that means you did the right thing. But if the answer is yes, boy, if I knew then what I know now, I'd like to have handled it differently. Well, guess what? You didn't know then what you know now. And if you did, you would have handled it differently. And so what does that mean? That means you're forgivable because yeah. you didn't know then what you know now. And so once again, we can have them forgive themselves and continue to move into a state of really 
of power and competence and being able to start acting again and, and living again and allowing this to have been processed and people don't get stuck. And, and, and when they get stuck, they start spinning their wheels, feel bad, distract, feel bad, distract, feel bad, drink, feel bad, work out, feel bad, read novels and all this kind of distracting behavior that just will lead to frustration and depression, period. Yeah. And the thing that's uh, additionally sad about this um, that you already know, Cal, is, is most of us were taught when we were little not to have certain feelings. So, you know, if you're sitting out there and you're like, nobody taught me these things. Well, they were actually, most people weren't taught them. We were taught not to cry. We were taught not to be angry. We were taught not to have these feelings. So, you know, it's okay to have these feelings now, right? Right. It's wisdom. Now, you know what? Here's the deal. Your great-grandmother and my great-grandmother and grandfather and those people back then, too bad you feel bad. There's nothing you can do about it. There is a shortage of food. Too bad. There is, you know, babies are dying, at, you know, because there's no medical. It's like, suck it up, get the shit done you got to do, right? And and that kind of just push it down, get it done, push it down, get it done. Uh, and the, you know, some people would drink, some people would, you know, beat the dog, whatever it is to get through it. And we we and we survived as a species. But now you were moving into this world of, you know, uh, this isn't the best word for it, but kind of like enlightenment mm-hmm. that we, we, you know, our basic needs, at least in the United States of America and developed countries are being met and we can start stepping outside of ourselves and looking at ourselves and the way we think and the way we feel in a more objective way. Yeah. Yeah. There's that phrase, uh, when you know better, you do better. Right. And it's kind of <sighs> like, let's just feel good about when we witness and recognize, Hey, I could have done that better. That's growth. That's personal growth. Like kudos to you for catching it, recognizing it, say, I'll do better next time. And then you do better next time. Right. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Live, learn, grow. Hey, right. One more thing I want to talk about phase five and how it works with grief. Right. Mm-hmm. So most people only need the first four phases. That mm-hmm. does it. But sometimes, especially if the, the grief has caused their life to change in a substantial way or over a long period of time, human beings are amazing. We can find the good in it. Mm-hmm. We can find the good in it. For example, um, you, you've had this grief, this loss, and maybe um, you're not expected to, to go to work or to do so, chip in so much at home or whatever it is. Uh, you may even get some kind of... Uh, disability benefit for because you've become incapacitated and so this is a gain that's secondary to the primary problem a secondary gain and what happens it's rare but in some cases that what happens is the secondary gain the benefit that they're getting by being in the state of grief people feeling sorry for them, people paying attention to them, people actually coming over to check on them. These kinds of things can be so powerful at the subconscious, unconscious level that it will just keep generating the emotion and keep them in that state of grief because in some way or another, they believe or feel that they're better off than before. They're getting something out of it. That love and that attention maybe um, Mm -hmm. that they're getting from friends and family. Yep. 
And so this puts the person into a conflict. There's a part of them that wants to get on with their life, get things back to normal, whatever that was for them. But the other parts going, hey, this ain't so bad. You know, people are checking on me now. And, you know, my let's say a, a person whose husband has passed away and, and now everybody's, the kids are coming to check on her, you know, and this kind of thing. And uh, so, when, and it's not pretending. It's, they're not feigning. Okay, that it's really coming in real emotion, even though the, the need for that emotion is passed. And so with phase five, we can actually go in and do it's kind of interesting, a standard mediation between the two parts of them come to a resolution to where they can get on with, with their life. And it's just amazing. Amazing. Gives them their life back. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Good. Well, Good. What else you want to talk about? <laughs> I, th I think we covered a lot in this um, episode already, Cal. So I would say that's it. You know, we went through all the phases and grief is complex and uh, we're supposed to feel sad when, when, we when we lose certain things and recognizing that and secret language of feelings. I think we covered a lot in this episode today. Beautiful. I think it was a really yeah. good suggestion. And yeah. um, I hope uh, not just all hypnotists and people who want to be hypnotists look at this, but I hope five pathers go through this uh, and watch it and refresh them in this time of need of how, what we as five path certified hypnotists can do to help people in a very efficient and effective way. Good. Yeah. All Good. right. Let's see, wrap it up. All right. So thank you everyone for joining today. I'm Erica Flint. You can find me at cascadehypnosistraining.com. And I have uh, some training courses coming up in January and next year, in January next year and in uh, April as well. So I hope to see you in class. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Erica. And everybody else, Cal Banyan. Calbanion.com. Right now, I am. I've got a training coming up, like in two weeks. But you probably won't have time to get in there by the time I get this video out. And uh, let's see, when is that? October 18th. And but I am scheduling right now for all of 2021. And so keep checking out my my, my schedule on Calbanion.com. All right. God bless you all. Calbanion. Over and.